0: I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund's Friday night kickoff against UCLA at 7.30, which means kickoff will probably be sometime around 7.40. Is it on ESPN or FS1? I can't remember. ESPN. ESPN? Well, we don't watch the game at home, so I never know. So uh, I'm used to those calls from my mom asking me what time and what channel. I don't
2: think there's any truck races on, so... Hopefully that yeah. won't
0: be a problem. So we'll be good. Weather's supposed to, uh, uh, expected to be in the uh, 80s down in L.A., down in Pasadena on Friday. So weather shouldn't be a factor. Rose Bowl is on grass. Uh, lots of talk uh, down in the L.A. area as well as national about the lack of crowd, lack of attendance at UCLA. They're also off to a 4-0 start, and they've been publicizing it so much and offering 60% off tickets at Costco. I get the feeling that uh, we may have a little bit bigger crowd than a lot are anticipating. But, uh, you know, when you talk about UCLA, they've, uh, at 4-0, they've played Bowling Green, Alabama State. South
2: Alabama. Alabama. And and Alabama State.
0: And Alabama State, as well as Colorado. Um, You know, Colorado is probably the worst team in the conference and then the three other schools. So I think this is going to be, kind of a what have we got game for ucla as michigan state was at the time for washington
2: well i don't know to me this is very much a statement game for washington too because of all the things that you just well, said yeah. Kim, going on the road for the we first just,
0: time yeah we just didn't don't know what to expect out of ucla is the point you know because they haven't played the competition where washington has played michigan state and stanford a little bit higher yeah comp- well
2: a lot of a lot of UCLA, UCLA fans will tell you Michigan State's bunk, and there's a lot of evidence to suggest that they aren't any, anywhere near the team that people thought they'd be. So we don't know a lot about what's going on. Stanford, jury's out. They, they, they're trying to run that slow mesh, but with Tanner McKee, it just seems like such a bad fit for them right now. Um, there is, but there is no question. I am 100% in agreement with you on this, Kim. Colorado is one of the worst teams in the entire country, not just the conference in the entire country. I don't know what that game's gonna be like when Washington plays Colorado. That could be a real bloodbath by then because Carl Durrell may not even have a job by then. I mean a lot well, of the things
1: second to last game of the season. Yeah, a lot
2: it? of so, things yeah. could happen before before that game even gets played. But Friday night, oh, tonight it's it's just gonna be uh, it's gonna be such a such a, a statement game for a number of reasons for Washington. Like I said, road game, grass the whole bit. The nice thing is, one of the main talking points. A lot of the staff at Washington had a wonderful experience at the Rose Bowl last year, when Fresno State beat UCLA forty thirty seven. Jake Hanner had a great night. Ronnie Rivers had a great night. Um, I talked to Lee Marks earlier this week about kind of that experience, and um, you know, and and Kalen DeBoer even talked about it. So they have a lot of good feelings about this place. They know they know it well. And so we'll see how the chess game interacts within the football game because there's still a lot of moving pieces, but these staffs kind of know each other quite a bit.
0: Yeah, and the story about Washington right now, um, it's kind of the low-hanging fruit and probably the most interesting story, of course, is Michael Penix, who's performing better than... I think anybody could have anticipated. It's also interesting talking to some of the UW people about Michael, with the student section back in, uh, back in full bore, and they've been phenomenal the past couple weeks. It just says, you know, it helps to have a story to sell, and Washington right now does have a story to sell in Michael Penix and Scott. When they brought Michael Penix in, and we went through uh, spring ball and fall ball. I mean, honestly. Could you have foreseen him playing as well as he is right now? Uh,
1: I didn't. <clears throat> I didn't know what to expect. I didn't. You know, I didn't say. I wouldn't. I don't know if I could answer that really at this point because, you know, I, I he's playing really, really well. I mean, he's had the best start probably for any Husky football quarterback that's ever started, uh, aside from Billy Joe Hobert, and that was just because Billy Joe Hobert had a great team around him too. He wasn't putting up the kind of numbers that. Michael Penix is so. Um, I mean, I you. He's he's been a godsend for Washington in this offense. The fact that he's played for Ryan Grubb before, or I'm sorry, for Galen uh, Deboer before. Um, he's been in this offense. He understands it. He's making calls. He's making checks. He's doing all the things. Um, he's he's been exactly what Washington needed.
0: Yeah, you know, when you take a look at the offense last year where Jimmy just wanted to run the ball all the time and then if I'd have told you that they would have the number one uh, quarterback in the country as far as yards per game passing, I don't think any of us would have gone – we all would have just gone, what?
2: Yeah, I don't know why everyone says it's the number one. Now, I'm splitting hairs here. I've I've, I've just seen him as number two.
0: Number I see the the guy yards from per Tulsa. Game.
2: Yards I see per the, game. Yeah, the guy's from Tulsa is number one in yards per game. He's like 20, 30 yards ahead of him. But, I'm, again, I'm it's splitting hairs. What Michael Penix has done is, is nothing short of remarkable because we just haven't seen those numbers here since the days of Cody Pickett. I mean, we just haven't. I mean, that was when Cody ran. He threw for, what, like 4,500 yards or something? Some ridiculous. I mean, let's put it this way. He did that in 2001, 2002. Those numbers 20 years later still stand, and they haven't even – no one's really come
1: close. So um, Part of that was because they didn't have a running game. Oh, no, the, no, 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 for sure. And the other part was they had – a genera- generational wide receiver to throw the ball to. In him. Reggie. Yeah, Re- Reggie Williams. But,
2: yeah, if, if there was ever a system, an offensive system, that ever came close to running, like, a true air raid, that would have been that would have been the one. Um, but Michael Penix, not only does Washington have a story to sell with him now, but in the NIL era now he's got T-shirts to sell. So, you know, you can get the, the, the Big Penix Energy T-shirts – and uh, and 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 things like that. And th- but those are the kind of marketing opportunities that help create the momentum that continues to go downhill as long as they keep winning. And that's the most important part. And in talking to Penix this week, it was clear that he really tries hard. It's 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 almost impossible, but he really tries hard to eliminate the focus, the, the the distractions, and really focuses on the one and zero mindset. And he doesn't do it just in the quarterback room too. It sounds like when we were talking to the offensive lineman this week, him he was even talking about how his, his, those guys, his influence has been on them as well, trying to get them uh, doing things the right way and, and making sure that they're held accountable just like he is.
0: Well, I think the you know you've got Michael Penix on one side of the story, but Washington attacking UCLA's defense, and I think the storyline on that is their defensive end, and that's uh, Leatu Latu, who came to Washington and looked like a budding star, got injured, and he could not get cleared by the medical staff at Washington. But uh, he's, like, second in the country uh, in sacks right now, and he's not even starting.
1: Yeah, he's. I think he's getting about half the snaps every game, about 35, 40 snaps, and he's got five sacks so far. Um, I mean, by contrast, Braylon Trice, the leader for the Huskies, who's had – a big impact has four and a half. So that should kind of tell you something about what Leon two has been able to do. Good for him. You know, I mean, he was a great kid in the recruiting process. He, he did really well. The coaches said, uh, was it 2019 was his freshman year? I think it was. And, uh, he ended up playing, uh, 10 games. I think that year because he played so much and the coaches were like, we can't keep this kid off the field. And, uh, I know that they wanted to keep him, but the staff just wouldn't, wouldn't uh, clear him. Didn't yeah. he get a safety that year? My, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think got. Didn't he get a safety that year?
2: Yeah. I, I will find it interesting though. Kim, is it you know? Why it's not like Washington hasn't seen this already this year. Remember the kid from Michigan State when they came to Seattle. He was leading the country in sacks at the time. Yeah, but you so, know. but but let's talk about what they did, what Washington did to neutralize.
0: Well, I, I just want to get back to Le'Atuila too, because it's just when we're trying to get answers out of the medical staff on what the deal was, it was the same thing. could not talk about. They just can't talk about it, and we saw the same thing with Austin Joyner. You know who um, they couldn't medically clear, and he wanted to play, and I think he, was he the pro day. Yes. He was at the pro day trying to get into the NFL draft, but it sounds like the scouts were scared off from him. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when I'm down at UCLA, I'll try to ask around a little bit, but it's hard to get answers on what the exact deal was on Law because I think that's what everybody kind of wants to know, where Washington couldn't clear him, but UCLA would. Who was the
1: defensive end who went to Miami from? Jalen Phillips. Yeah, Jalen Phillips. He didn't get passed by the UCLA UCLA staff. And he went to Miami and got passed, and now now he's playing in the yeah, NFL. Yeah, I, I, to me, this
2: is there's a simple explanation for this. It happens in everyday life. You get a second opinion, and sometimes that second opinion is what you're looking for.
0: Well, UCLA is known for their medical school too. I mean, that's a yeah. good medical school. You know, and if they clear um you know, Latu, but they wouldn't clear Phillips, and now he's in the NFL. It sure raises some questions.
1: What?
2: Well, well, just it's, again, it's it's. It's people looking at the same body of evidence and coming to different conclusions. It happens every day. It happens in medicine. It happens in the law. It happens everywhere. So bottom line is, guys, no one's saying that the Washington staff didn't do their due diligence. No one is saying the UCLA staff isn't doing their due diligence. Clearly, Latu's in a good space right now. What we all pray for is that he doesn't get hurt. Because if he gets hurt, then all of a sudden those questions are going to come back, and they're going to come back double. And that's the problem with this. And
0: that's
1: where Washington was more conservative. They just said, it's not worth it for us to clear this kid and have him possibly be paralyzed down the road, whereas UCLA's made a judgment call and said, we don't think that that is the same thing.
2: Yeah, and it could very well be a situation where he comes back and, and – his situation where he's stronger than ever. Maybe he's actually, maybe it's healthier than it's been. We don't know. But clearly with the evidence that Washington had at the time, they obviously felt they, they made the call that was the best decision for Leatu at that time. And there, it's not like he left with hard feelings or anything. No. He was a student manager. He helped with the team. But clearly his desire and his dream to continue to play college football... Was a lot more powerful and a lot more important to him, and then that's why he went out and tried to get that second opinion that helped him move to a place like UCLA.
0: And you mentioned, you know, Michigan State coming into Washington, and they led the country in sacks at that point in time. Uh, they were unable to get to Michael Penix, but then again, nobody has. He's yet to take a sack.
2: Well, right, that was my point.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so
2: I, I understand where people are, 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 you know, loving on Leatu He just won the defensive Pac-10, Pac-12 player of the week. For good reason. I mean, he was a, he, he. didn't even start, and he had th- what three sacks? I mean, he came. He's a wrecking ball. Everyone knows at Washington, and, and I think it was either I forget who said it. One of you guys that he was a buddy. He was a budding star. Yeah, he was absolutely. a guy who's who's. He was only his trajectory was only going up. But the problem with that is, is that once you you know when you have a, a potential uh, injury that derails a career, uh, potentially again because obviously he's doing so well at UCLA. But when you have that, it's almost like literally hitting the, the proverbial wall and having to start all over again. Jackson. I'm so happy for him that he's doing great. I think it's going to be a great matchup.
0: Jackson Kirkland's familiar with him.
2: Jackson Kirkland's very familiar with him. So um, it's Troy um, yeah. yeah. And so it'll be interesting now, will he be on Roger Rosengarten's side? That's mm-hmm. Because, again, we have to remember <laughs> that's, his, that's Penix's blind side. Is but, what is saying. But I watched.
1: I watched um, the game last week, and they actually line, lined him up over the guard a couple times. They, yes, they, they move him around. Yes, yeah. they,
2: they said that. Um, who was it? Ryan Grubb oh. was saying that they yeah. that they they actually can move him inside at times yeah. as well. Now that probably happens in the same way that Washington does when they brought in like Holdsclaw or they bring in one of the linebackers and bring him inside, probably on passing downs. Jeremiah Martin.
0: Yeah. Too, yeah. What did Tanu say about Latu? We're brothers, but...
1: Well, yeah, we're brothers off the field, but when it comes to the game on Friday night, I don't know anybody on that team.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, no,
2: for sure. I mean, and
1: well, he's and got I, a lot of
2: friends on this team. Don't Make no mistake about it. There's a lot of guys that are I titled my story from
1: Fa'utanu that he's ready to go to war on Friday night. That's yeah. what he called it.
2: And I guarantee you, win or lose after the game, all that stuff, when the players They'll come on the field down. and all that, there's going to be a lot of Washington guys looking for Leatu because there's a lot of friendship uh, between especially, him and a lot of especially guys Especially
1: the Polynesian guys. For sure. Yeah, for sure.
0: And Washington got their running game going last week against Stanford, uh, especially Wayne Talapapa. Um, so it'll be interesting to see this week, you know, where they plan to attack. Where's the weakness in the UCLA defense? And it's not up front.
2: Well, I asked Scott Huff specifically this week, kind of what do you do when there's a lot of maybe oars, you know, on that front, you know, where you're not necessarily sure what their personnel is going to be like. And he goes, like anything else in life, you, you prepare for worst case. You assume that every guy that's their top guy is going to be playing. And then if, if for some reason other guys are playing, then you address, adjust accordingly. But right now, UCLA's front, whatever we're going to see tonight, it's not going to be at full strength. They've already, I think they've already lost at least one guy for the season. Um, they may have lost at least one or two other guys. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it all pans out. But yeah, there's uh, there's definitely some reason to be concerned if you're a UCLA fan up front because they're they're starting to get a little thin. Just kind of the way Washington fans are, are looking at the secondary.
0: But you take a look at the way Washington's played this year. And last year's offensive line was supposed to be the strength, and there were a lot of issues on the offensive line last year. But Washington's offensive line right now, I think, is playing as well as anybody in the conference.
2: Yeah, I think it's, again, when, when you go back and look at last year, it's such an anomaly. It was such like a, a square peg in a round hole. Nothing nothing looked good. And we know that receiving core is great. Look at how well they're playing. Those are the same guys. There's yeah. literally no difference in the guys, other than the fact that they lost their number one guy in Terrell Bynum. They look way better. And so it's not, it's not like addition by subtraction. As far as personnel, it's addition by subtraction in terms of coaching. That's what well, that's what well, that's Fa, the main
1: thing. Fa'utanu said that they they were coming in against heavy boxes all the time, and they're still trying to run and bang their head against the wall all the time.
0: Well, what I like about the offensive line this year is, you know, we, uh, they miss Jackson Kirkland for quite a bit. They moved Fa'utanu out there with Kalepo uh, at guard, and then they. You know, putting Kirkland and they move Otano back into guard. You know, Melee's been getting time at center, pretty much it almost seems like they're splitting time between Melee and Luciano mm-hmm. and Melee can move over to guard. So they're getting guys playing time and you know, if one guy goes down it doesn't look like they're going to miss much.
1: It doesn't seem that way, no. No, I and and you have Vic Kern who's coming in and can play uh, right guard, right tackle. So you've got a lot of versatility along that.
0: Roger line. Rosengarten, you know, a highly, highly touted kid coming out of high school. And, you know, he seems to – I don't know if he's an all-conference candidate, but he sure seems to be playing well right now.
2: Well, I, I, I think I'd pump the brakes on that
0: right Well, now. yeah, I said I don't think so.
2: Well, but then again, it's, it's one of those things where if you're Scott Huff, you're feeling pretty good about yourself and feeling kind of vindicated – that you put a, a redshirt freshman who would never started a game in front of a two-year starter. And right now, Roger Rosengarten is playing as well as any of those guys are right now. Yeah. And so long may that continue. If you're a Washington fan, you want that. You want that experience to come up. But again, now they're, they're going to be as thin as UCLA may be, <laughs> there's still always going to be four and five star guys behind them waiting to go. Who's going to be the next star that's going to be showing up. If it if it's not a guy like Latu, it could be another guy, another guy coming through the ranks. And that happens at Washington as well. But UCLA being in LA, obviously they're in the epicenter of the talent uh, world when it comes to the West coast.
0: And kind of the unsung guy on the offensive line, uh, who was the uh, lineman of the week last week. You've known Henry Bainavalu for a long time. Mm. And uh, I think I was surprised to learn he was coming back because of um, the knee injuries mm-hmm. and just how hard it is for him. But you know, Henry's kind of the unsung guy who just seems to grind and get it done.
1: I, it's funny because I actually was over by my house where I live over in Redmond in the Redmond area, and who's walking down the Safeway aisle. I'll, Henry Bainabalu. and yeah. I'm like, what are you doing over here? And he goes, he, he buys groceries yeah, like the rest he, of us. Yeah, well, yeah, but he's in Redmond. I would have assumed that he would have been in the U District. You know, uh, he living might over have been here. with his family. But I don't know. but no, he he lives on that side of the water. He lives over in Redmond. So <laughs> it just surprised me. But uh, back to what we were talking about. Yeah, Bainabalu has been a uh, huge, a huge guy for them. Not only. Just because of his stature, but he's played really, really well.
0: One of the things that I think has just been huge too, and I don't know if you guys noticed it on film, but uh, Jackson Kirkland talked a little bit about it post game when he was pulling from left tackle over to the right side. Holy crap! He's six seven and three hundred and forty pounds, and that is a, not a runaway beer truck. That's a runaway freight train. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it is. And, and you know, you look at a guy like Ben Evaldi. not. I know people may have been surprised to see him return, but I don't think it was because. He didn't want to return. I just think that there was a lot of physical things to the point where he didn't know if he could return. But Mm -hmm. the fact that he's been able to come back physically again, this really is a testament to guys like Ron McKeefrey and that strength and conditioning staff. Um, Really, the unsung heroes, I think, so far this season, getting these guys in a position where they're playing fast and they're they're, playing—they just look bigger, stronger, faster right out right off the bus and. you know, it, it, I think that whatever work that they did in the off season really paid off, and so you can see the cultural buy in and all that stuff that took part, and especially on the offensive line, when you see a guy like a Jackson Kirkland, where. Yeah, you you see that guy come off the bus. You're like, oh, that's who we're playing tonight? All right, let's go. (laughs) Yeah,
0: last week they, you know, opened stuff up early. The first play on offense, they threw threw the deep route. You know, they threw the bomb. Um, And then that seemed to really open up the running game. It'll be interesting to see if they try to establish the running game first this week.
1: Yeah, um, I don't see the running game getting established first. I think Washington can do some stuff against the pass game. Um, They're going to have to, because I think – UCLA is probably going to be looking for the run at first. So why not go – I mean, it's really going to be what – I think it really goes on with, what the defense dictates. If they go heavy in the box then you throw the ball, if they go light in the box, you run it. So, yeah. And Ryan Grubb seems that, like that kind of a coach. And because of Michael Penix's experience, not only in this offense, but experience overall, and the way he's making calls and adjustments and all those different things, I think the coaches have trust that, hey, Mike, if you see a light box – you make the audible, you call what you need to call. Yeah. And I think, you know, to be honest with it, considering the the,
2: the, the lowish percentage of completed passes, given how much, given how prolific he's been, you know, the, his, his completion percentage is not, like, just off the charts.
1: It's like so, 58%. So,
2: yeah, it's not it's not amazing. So I, I almost get the sense that Grubb might try to take advantage of just getting some, some quick passes early to guys. I mean, that's the way I feel. Um, we know that every coach scripts, and he has said that he scripts as well. Um, but they all have their little wrinkles and things like that. The other thing you have to remember, guys, and this is one of the overarching storylines: Grubb coached against these guys last year. Now UCLA has six new assistant coaches. I don't remember how, what the breakup is to offense defense. One is Ken Norton. Sure, but they—that's and that's a—that's a big one. <laughs> that's an <laughs> alma mater in the whole bit, but. Um, and he, another one, Keiko Malloy. <laughs> yes, and, and of course, Coach Malloy yeah. can't forget about him. The fact is, is that there there is going to be some wrinkles on both sides because every every team does that. But Grubb has experience coaching this game, and he's had success in the Rose Bowl as early as last year. He knows what he's looking for against UCLA. And I talked to I talked to both um, Coach Grubb and or not Coach Grubb, but um, Coach Marks about this. And I asked him, I said, hey, there is some turnover on this staff, but given the success that you had last year, do you expect to see a lot, a lot of variance? And he goes, at the end of the day, the head coach still wants to run what they're going to run. And even though Chip Kelly is an offensive mastermind, he's still running that overall program. And he st- they still have defensive fundamentals and philosophies that they want to incorporate. And so he doesn't, they don't think that they're necessarily going to be varying widely from what they saw last year, and that can only pay dividends for a guy like Grubb, who, you know, like I said, had success calling a really strong game against the Bruins last year.
0: Liatu Latu is not the only former Husky on the UCLA roster that's seeing the fields. We'll talk about that as well as how are they going to stop DTR. That and more when we return. It's the guys from Dogman.com on Dogman Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, We are back. I'm Kim Grenells along with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. 7.30 kickoff tonight in Pasadena, California. Temperature's uh, supposed to be in the mid-80s during the day today, and uh, we'll probably see lows in the low 60s, but it, it's going to be a pleasant day down in Pasadena. It's going to be a late night, of course, but uh, when you take a look at that UCLA offense, it all starts with uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. He's, is this a four-year starter at UCLA? Yep.
2: I think it's four. <laughs> Feels like he's been there about eight forever. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, been here a long time. He's
0: been there a long time. Hasn't he been
2: and there since Jake Browning was at Washington. Yes.
0: Yeah. I. I mean, I've never. He just seems like an okay quarterback. I've never seen him as you know a top of the, top of the conference type quarterback. What's your take on DTR? Well,
1: I've always thought that he was a guy who was supremely talented athletically but maybe not the greatest passer in the world, but right now he's completing almost 75% of his passes. And, um, I mean, he's their leading rush, or he's one of their leading rushers. He's he's just, he's so dynamic. Washington, when they pass rush, they're going to have to have a spy on him. They're going to have to contain. maintain their lanes, contain him. Because it's like what Coach Morrell said at the beginning of the week. Uh, you don't want to have a pass rush and then him break out of the, out of contain and rip off a 60 yarder on you because that can easily happen he he has their longest run this year is 68 and he's the one who ran it yeah so. he seems
0: like he seems like the type of quarterback that Arizona has had over the years yeah
1: yeah, yeah. like, uh, like in a new Solomon or something like that honestly he's not the passer that Mariota was but he's the same kind of body
0: is he you that know, big long
1: and yeah he's not quite as big but he, he has the same kind of game my take on DTR
2: is that Again, I agree 100% with Scott. He is supremely talented physically. I have always believed that when he is on his game and he is dialed in and he is solely focused, he is as good as anybody, not just in the Pac-12 but in the country. He can affect games in a way that very few guys can. We just have not really seen that that much. We haven't seen it near as much as I guarantee you Chip Kelly and the UCLA coaches have wanted to see it. So we, it's that inconsistency, I think, that's really kind of hamstrung him at times. But, Scott, as you said, he's completed 75% of his passes. Uh, South Alabama, Alabama State, uh, Colorado, I don't even remember. Bowling what, Green. Bowling Green. Yeah, Yeah. I, again, this is such what, a can benchmark you game. from it? Yeah, this is such yeah. a benchmark game exactly. in so many ways, and, and you alluded to it at the beginning, Kim, there are so many unknowns on both sides, but especially with UCLA's offense because they have really not been tested. Um, even when they had the game with South Alabama where I think they won at the very, very, very end, they still scored over 30 points. I, I, I'm pretty sure they racked up a ton of yards in that game. So, yeah, this will be the first time where they've, they've actually been tested a little bit, um, especially in, in, in when it comes to pass rush. You know them trying to contain the, the the edge players for Washington. That's going to be a big test for them because I know their tackles are pretty unproven guys. So and or um, yeah. and or portal guys. So. Yeah, that's going to be a big part of it.
0: You know, I always talk about, you know, fans always seem to have to have that piñata. They need to have a stick in their hand and find something to hit. And, you know, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, you know, it's just his inconsistency has made him a pretty easy target down
2: in L.A. Well, he's easy easy target, but he's also the quarterback at UCLA, Los Angeles. You know, when things are riding high, you know, the world is his oyster. But when things start to go south... Then, yeah, then the, that's when the pinatas come out. And that's that's kind of part and parcel. And I think nobody understands that better than him, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, he's getting it all. And then, you know, Scott, a guy that you covered quite a bit uh, in the recruiting process that Washington wanted really bad was Zach Charbonnet. He wound up committing to Michigan. He was there. in early One year. Early on at Michigan, you were hearing rumors that, you know, he wanted out of there. Yeah,
1: yeah he just didn't like it. Didn't like what he didn't like the experience he was having and wanted to get home.
0: Yeah, and and he's he's next to DTR. Is he the next most influential player on that offense?
1: Yeah, oh, by far. Yeah, yeah,
2: yes, yeah, for sure. Jones, there other what, he, seven and a half. Yeah, eight yards something, carry? Like that, yeah. something like but that. But
1: Jones, the other running back, um, is he's a good player, but Zach Charbonnet is the guy.
0: Yeah, and he's big. He's a big dude too. Yeah, he's
1: a tough runner.
2: Yeah, he he can and he can affect the game not just running the ball but catching the ball in the backfield. He can do some some dual damage, but there's no doubt. I mean, they've got some talented receivers, but when they're at their best, it's DTR playmaking and handing the ball off to Charbonnet and then letting him do his thing on play action.
1: And he, you you alluded to his yards per carry at six point eight yards. Six point eight, so yeah. seven. Okay, yeah. I thought it was closer to eight,
2: but yeah, that's still. I mean, time you're the leading yep. running back on your team and you're averaging seven yards a carry, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other
0: guy that uh, is on their roster with the Washington Ties is the quarterback who used to play at University of Washington, but Two now, of them. Yeah. yeah y-
1: two quarterbacks Yankoff. Y- yeah. And?
0: And Ethan Garbers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so there's two of those guys, and Colson Yankoff is no longer a quarterback. He's a wide receiver. Is he a wide receiver, or, tight yeah. end? Kind of a. It's
1: doing a lot of different things for them, but not very much.
0: Yeah, so. I mean, I thought he was a great athlete, and a lot of people thought that he great would be kid, moved here. Great kid,
1: great athlete, just wasn't meant to be a quarterback.
0: He want is that why he left? Because he wanted a chance to play quarterback. Yes. He, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, when did he leave? That was the time when Sermon left as well. The first yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, it was because Eason. Yeah. They they could tell Eason yeah. was going to be the guy.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's kind of funny. it Just you know, reminds me of the old. Um, uh, Dennis Brown's story with Don James. They recruited him as an offensive lineman. Yeah, you can be an offensive lineman. You can be an offensive lineman at first day of practice. Yeah, yeah you're, you're with the, the D line. You're with the D well,
1: line. The, the thing is, think about it, and I'm getting way off topic here, but Jacob Eason might have had the biggest influence of any player that's ever come here in other guys transferring. Yeah. Jake Hayner, uh Colson Yankoff, and Jacob Cernamon the first time, and then was talked out of it. But,
0: I mean... And Ethan Garbers.
1: And, uh, yeah. Well, but Garbers wasn't because of, of uh, Eason. What about Nick Montana? Garbers transferred. What
2: about Nick Montana? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nick Montana there, had
0: a heck of an influence on time, guys. There you go. So it'll be interesting to watch how um, Washington, you know, plays the UCLA offense. And, again, you know, I think that if I'm a... Uh, offensive coordinator attacking Washington's defense. I'm going after those defensive backs because they've got a lot of youth back there and not a lot of depth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean their their number one tackler is Mo is it Osling? Yeah. I think is his last name. Osling. I mean he's their leading tackler. They they've been they've been thrown on quite a bit. When teams have had success, I mean you watch what South Alabama did against them. They they had success through the air.
0: Yeah. The other thing that's kind of unique, looking at this defense, and I don't know if you guys have picked up on this, but you know, over the last several years, we're used to looking at the defensive stats at the end of the day, and it's pretty normal for us to see you know one or two guys with double digit tackles. Mm-hmm. We're not seeing that this year. It's a different scheme.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're they're um, the guys are. You know, it's it. I think we've had a different lead tackler every game. Happens. I think it was
0: Dom Hampton last yeah. week. I, I,
1: I my claim is the the these things
2: t- stats like tackles are always relative to yeah. other things like how many plays the the other offense is running. And Washington's offense has been on the field a lot. And so when you're on the field a lot, that means your defense isn't making a lot. They aren't having to make a lot of tackles. Because the offense are going up against, they're not running a lot of plays. Yeah, last so that year, will affect things.
0: Last year it was typically um, Jackson Sermon. The year before it was typically Eddie Oulafocio. It always seems like it's been that linebacker Ben
1: Burkhurvin for like three years.
0: It's yeah, it's always set up for that linebacker to be the leading tackler. We're not seeing that this year. No, well, when you have
2: year. safeties dropping down into the box, guys like Cook and Turner, mm-hmm. they're gonna they're gonna be right in the thick of it. So yeah, I don't. To me, that's not surprising. Now. Yeah, a lot of fans will look at those stats and go, oh, that means they're getting past the second level. So not necessarily. Not when you're not when your playing them and, as close as yeah, they Yeah, not are. when you're putting the corners on an island and allowing your your safeties to drop down into the box and, and, and basically really clog up the middle.
0: Recruiting, not a lot of spots left. Another offer went out. We got a little bit of basketball recruiting uh, we can talk about as well. When we return, it's the guys from dogman.com on Dogman Radio. We're back. It's the guys from dogman.com. I'm Kim Grinolds along with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Just make sure and keep it tuned in to dogman.com all week long, especially during game. Game day board will be up. We'll have a podcast as soon as we can after the game. We will have people at the game. We travel to every away game. So uh, we'll have post-game coverage, post-game interviews, and all of that. So uh, just keep it here at dogman.com. Hey, uh, Scott, in recruiting, uh, not a ton going on. Not a lot of offers left to go out there not a lot of spots left update us a little bit on what's going on
1: well um i mean they you know the big one is the big one that just happened was they offered a kid uh out of texas out of fort worth um kamarian uh, pimpton a 6'5 210 pound tight end prospect committed to vanderbilt um but washington has a connection to him or whatever he's expressed some interest and washington is is definitely going after him washington wants a tight end in this class they're going to get one whether that's someone locally like Dorian Thomas, uh, Tucker Ashcraft, um, Gabe Hoffman is another possibility at Eastside Catholic. There's, it sure sounds
2: like Jacob Lane has done some things. Yeah. At
1: tight end for Old Rich. I know they like yeah. him on
2: defense. But is that, would that be potentially a guy that they could look and see when
1: they get Let, in here? Let's just put it this way if that was the case, they wouldn't be going after Pimpton there. Sure. Probably. Okay. So I don't, I, I think Eric Schmidt is like, no, he's mine. <laughs> Nick Sheridan, go get your own. Okay. You know, kind of thing. And uh, there's also Jensen. I can't, I'm drawing a blank on his first name, but it's Jerry Jensen's son. Sure. From uh, uh, up the, new, the yeah. North, what is it, uh north. 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 Okay, yeah. Is it that uh, one? Somewhere up there. No, it's okay, wherever it is. He's he's a guy so Dorian Thomas and Jensen are both committed to Oregon State. Right. And Washington is looking at all those guys. But Pimpton is a guy who came on the radar relatively recently. I know I noted it on my blog on Monday and then they offered him on Tuesday. Yeah. So ah, I was yeah. like, Oh, see? <laughs> I actually kind of know what I'm talking about. So um, but I like his film. I watched it. Um he looks like more of a, a Devin Culp kind of a guy who um, has been split out a little bit more. He's he's not the most dynamic receiver in the world, but I think he's a guy, when you have a 6'5 frame like he has and a big guy, plus his last name's Pimpton. I mean, come on. Yeah, well, gotta, the other thing, too, gotta is... got to bring a, in a guy by the last name Pimpton. Yeah,
2: watch the huddle film. When you watch him split out wide things like that, they're even running like tunnel screens and stuff. Yeah. Not often you see tunnel screens for, for a guy that's going to be a tight end at the yeah. next level. So... I'm not saying he's Brock Bowers. I'm not saying he's anything like that. But you're right in the sense that he looks more of the pass-catching, maybe Colt Quinn Moore type as opposed to the true dual threat yeah. guy. Although when he did have to block, there was a couple times. I saw one time where he blocked a guy clear into the sideline. It was pretty impressive. Yeah. So he, he clearly has that physical part to his
1: game. That, uh, that they can add to.
0: Anything else to update on recruiting? Um,
1: you know, as far as, you know, people are all wondering about visitors and all that kind of stuff. There's going to be some more official visitors. Um, Keith Reynolds is still trying to set his up. I think there's one more. Uh, Kali Tafai took his official for the Michigan State game, but I think there's one other official. Commit that hasn't taken as official. I need to look it up. And then Diesel it, Gordon it. took his on that yes, on Michigan that State too, right? and,
0: and then in addition, you know, the first four games were at home, and three out of the next four are on the road. So, yeah.
1: the homecoming game against Arizona should be. I think you might see a few more guys on campus for that. Maybe for Oregon State, I don't think anyone's going to want to bring them up for Colorado, but who knows?
0: Yeah, so. yeah. And like I said, you know, those spots are golden right now. Yeah. So, and, you know, three
1: or four spots left, but there's going to be some movement, um, I think, on the commit list. I think you'll see one or two guys opt to leave. So we're ta- probably talking about six more names to be added to the and list. And the hidden
2: benefit for that is that when they do go late on guys like Pinton or whoever it may be to try to round this class out, because they have already done so much work and official visits in June mm-hmm. and maybe a couple here and there, by the time they come to those last two weekends before the mid-year signing period starts, they can really roll out the red carpet for just like two or three guys. They can put all their focus on. They can have all mm-hmm. the coaches, all the players. They can really do some things. And then on top of it, if, they're, if they happen to be uh, practicing for a bowl game, whatever game that may be, that's another thing that's just a, an absolute real huge benefit mm-hmm. because now the player can get literally a taste firsthand of what they're going to see when these guys are practicing.
0: Coach Hopkins and staff has been busy as well. Last week they had in two official visitors. Uh, first of all was Christian King. He's a 6 6'7 uh, kid out of um, Seattle prep, son of former Sonic first-round draft pick. Um, Uh, Rich King, and um, he's only 6'7", but everybody's telling me he's still growing and not be surprised if he shows up at about 6'10". He was on an official visit. I think they're in a good spot with him. Also, Jacob uh, Kofi out of Eastside Catholic was in on an official visit. He's a big-time guy with a lot of schools, including Gonzaga, all over him. He's a 2024 kid, so there's still a long ways to go on him. Um, Christian King is a 2023 kid. And probably the big guy, keep in mind they're only losing one guy. Jamal Bay is the only one leaving uh, off of this team, unless there's some attrition, which there always seems to be. But um, Wesley Yates is the number two shooting guard in the country. He's about 6'4", 200, 210 pounds. Uh, real smooth kid. He's the nephew of Quincy Pondexter. And um, a lot of people are crystal balling or thinking that he's going to wind up at LSU. Keep an eye on Washington. Yeah, keep an eye on Washington on Wesley Yates. This see,
2: Rich King, if I remember correctly, wasn't he taller than six seven? Wasn't he? Oh, six he was like, like seven. One, I was going to say, he? wasn't he a lot taller than that?
0: Big, yeah, yeah, big kid, okay. big guy out of Nebraska. Okay, big kid out yeah. of Nebraska. So, but uh, again, you know, just kind of keep an eye on Wesley Yates and uh, UW because there's some crystal balls going in at LSU, and we'll see what happens there. Um, and uh, also, um, they start practice. Um, they started practice on Thursday, and um, media day is on October 26, which is the Wednesday after the Cal game, is media day down in San Francisco. So basketball is just right around the corner. It's going to uh, be upon us before we know it. And sure. So wrap it up, Scott Eklund.
1: Uh, well, uh, UCLA barely beat Washington last year, one of the worst offenses that the Washington's had in a long time. Washington still put up 17 points. This team is going to put up points on UCLA. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think Washington's got everything they need to beat, beat this team, but this is really a show-me game, like Chris has said several times. I, I, I'm real interested to see what happens.
0: Chris, just I don't know if you're the one to ask, not me, but what's their record in the Rose Bowl lately? Washington? When was the last time they won in the Rose Bowl?
2: Uh, they, well, they beat them with Miles Gaskin and Jake Brown. Yeah. So it was at 18? 2018, 17? Something like that, yeah. So, yeah, so basically I just, um, you know, the, you know, we've talked about it. statement game, all those good things. I don't usually have a nod towards the degenerates, but I would definitely take the over in this game as well. Yeah. Um, I'll be glad when this game is over because the Pennix and Yankoff jokes have been making the rounds on the message boards, and I'm glad that when those will be over. What was so, the over
1: under on the UW-Stanford uh, game? Was it like 64? I have no idea. But –
2: I know they it covered. Ended up I, at know they, 62. I was gonna say I know they covered, and I don't remember what the spread is now, so it's it's low. But you know, it'll be a good game, statement game, and and I think uh, Washington stands a great chance.
0: Yeah, looking forward to the game tonight. You know, the Rose Bowl is always fun. It's got the mystique, but it's kind of kind of a little bit of a dump. But. Um, when you take a look at um, just what's going on, it's going to be an interesting game. Just a reminder for those, we're not running a promo for dogman.com right now, but keep in mind that we've got something coming up. You get Paramount Plus included when you pay the full freight and look for Top Gun Maverick to be streaming soon on Paramount Plus. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds, along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs!